Thanks for joining us for the Fight for Your Marriage podcast with Charlene Steinkamp. This is a place where you can find hope for your marriage through Jesus Christ. Hi, it's Lori, and today we're going to talk about your stand and the church. I'm very excited to have us do this podcast today because it's a vital part of your standing and praying for marriage restoration. And so we're just excited that we're going to be talking about it to say, where are you in a church? Are you involved in a church? Have you taken your children to church? Are they involved in youth groups and Sunday school? Where are you? The Bible has so much to say about the importance of church. And nothing hurts us more than when we hear from people who are praying for restoration in their marriage and they contact us to say that they're no longer attending a church. Oh, that's so true, Lori. The most important place that I felt like a refuge was my church. It was I could feel the presence of the Lord there singing and worshiping the Lord on Wednesday night, on Sunday morning, or any activities. Plus, I was alone. My church became my family. And I know at different holidays or different events, couples would invite the kids and I over for a picnic or other events. And we'll talk about that in a few minutes. But I want to encourage you that if you have never gone to church recently or if your church is not supporting your stand and you're believing for marriage restoration due to your circumstances, please seek the Lord if you're in the right church. And we're not even suggesting changing churches, but we need you to know that you have support in your church. Let me read a scripture from Acts 2, verses 42 through 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to one another as anyone had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And if we go back to the start of that, verse 42 says they devoted themselves. That means it took effort. And going to church is going to take effort on your part. It's going to take energy for you to make it a priority. But you heard the benefits of gathering with other believers here. Verse 44 the believers were together and they had everything in common. You may feel isolated right now. Did you feel isolated when you were in that spot? You know, and I felt isolated, but I got invited often. We would have an event and they, we would go to their house for cake and cookies or, um, or sloppy joes. And the kids would play and have fun. And often it would be a husband's or wives or, or several uh, single parents and different situations but we all got together and started talking and then they would all of a sudden pray before we ate and pray for each other and it gave me where I had somebody with me that knew my circumstances and they were going to pray without knowing all the details but they knew Bob and I were separated or divorced so I want you to know that the church is your family and if you haven't got to that point because of the size of it, 
or anything. There's life groups and other situations you can get into, Bible study classes. But I want you not to get isolated. I don't want you to become lonely at home and say, I can't go to church. We just read how important the fellowship is because you get to fellowship with other believers. And you can have other believers that are your friends or your coworkers that you socialize with. But it's so different when you're in the church environment. And that's why it's spoken of so many times in the Bible. We understand that when you suddenly go from being a couple to being a single person, you may not know where you fit in in a church as a person who does not have your spouse with you every day. But we challenge you to continue to try to figure that out, to find out where you fit in. Maybe it means you go to the women's Sunday school class instead of the couple's Sunday school class, or you go to the men's Sunday school class instead of the couple's class. Whatever it means, find your new normal in church right now, but make it a priority to go. And you may feel like your church doesn't support your stand, and so that's why you've not been back to church. And I know that my church was not supporting my stand at the beginning. And you may not know my testimony, but my pastor and a Christian counselor convinced and suggested I divorce Bob due to what he had been doing and being unfaithful and not believing for the miracle of marriage restoration. I was hurting. I was looking at the circumstances, and I did not seek God I sought man. But two months later, God spoke to me very clearly that I had made a mistake and that I was to pray for Bob to come home. And he told me that with God, nothing is impossible and that he touches and he changed hearts and life. I became the example of a wife that divorced her husband, did not have the faith or trust to believe in the power of God, And then God spoke to me, and then I opened up my Bible, and I started sharing with other people what God was doing in my heart and how God started speaking to me. And I was a lighthouse in the church about God can heal and touch hurting spouses, me, and but he can also touch any of your prodigal children, can touch lost loved ones, regardless of their circumstances at that moment. Like Lori read in Acts chapter 2, that there were miracles going on and God was changing hearts and lives. The normal thing is to think that I'm not going to go to church. And this is what we hear from people. I don't want to go to church because of what is happening in your life, but you need to understand the importance of your life being a testimony to your church and not just go to that service with the what's in it for me attitude, but go to that service, go to those life groups, go to those small group events so that others can see what God is doing in your life and that you can be a testimony even before your marriage is restored, even when you're in the midst of the valley, even when you're going through hardship, you can still be a lighthouse of what Jesus is doing in your life for other people. I can remember a man coming to me in the church service maybe six months, a year after I had been in the word and God had spoken to me many scriptures and said to me, you look so different than you did so many months ago when you got divorced. What has happened to you? And I said, I have been reading the word and it's come alive to me and I've seen the power of God of what he did there and what the scripture says in the Bible he can do today. And he wants 
me to pray for Bob to have a heart transformation. And my faith and my hope and trust has just increased. And I said, I have such excitement of what God is going to do in our family sometime. And he says, well, you are glowing with such faith. He says, what type of scripture are you talking about? And so then I opened up my Bible, and I little had a five-minute showing him of different scriptures God had given me and stories in the Bible, how Jesus went to the temples, and he kept preaching to the Pharisees and to the Sadducees and everybody. And I said, they're all for us that we have to examine our hearts and our minds if we have the mind of Christ or if we're walking in anger and bitterness and hatred, which is what I did. I gave up on Bob. I gave up on God. And what touched me so much is this is the man that Bob knew and we knew, and he saw something different. And they're going to see you different when you start believing for God to do miracles in your marriage. People will often contact us and ask, how do I answer the questions that people ask about my husband or wife? Where is your husband or wife? Why aren't they coming to church anymore? What happened to your family? And can you speak to how you handled that when you were asked those questions? Because it's not a time to avoid going to church to avoid those questions. Yes, you have a crisis in your family right now. And yes, you need prayer from people. But there's a way to ask for prayer and to have your church rally behind you without them knowing the inner workings of your marriage. I went to a smaller church and they knew he was gone. And then I asked everybody to just pray for Bob that he had become blinded and deceived. I did not give details because my prayer was to have Bob come back into that church. I went to the office and I said, I need to be put on the prayer chain to pray for our family. And those people didn't need to know all the details. I just said, pray for Bob and I. And I strongly suggest that you go to your church and ask to be put on the prayer list and then ask if there's one or two women or men that are prayer warriors in that prayer chain that they have that you can meet with and talk to them and have them pray with you. And then maybe you will have, as it did with me, I had a lady that was the head of the prayer chain And she took me into her house, and she would call me up and say, come down, let me pray with you, and would invite me to do different things with her. And she was an older woman and a mighty woman of God. And she had a gift of just praying for our family, for different situations. And and when I had a surgery, she had people praying for me and had people bring in dinners and worked out all the details with the women's ministry. I had no mother and father. They were both deceased. And that is what was so powerful for me, was that my church became my family in the crisis that I was in. Bob's parents lived right down the street from us, and they saw my children, but they were upset with me for filing that divorce and not waiting for Bob to have a a heart transformation. I was able to share the testimony to my in-laws, and they got to see in time how I changed 
in my heart and my love for Bob. So there are so many things that can happen when you're involved in your church. And that is my burden for you every day that you don't have anything to go to except maybe fun things with non-Christians. I think the most important thing you said there is that you confided in one person. Right now in 2018, it seems like everybody's life is somewhere online. We don't have to look further than our phones to find out what a celebrity is doing. If there's an emergency in our church and we need to pray for something within minutes, hundreds of people can receive a text message about it. The entire world seems to be an open book and your marriage and your marriage problems don't need to be an open book to your church. You need to keep that sacred and that private to you and to your spouse and to maybe one prayer partner, if God would give you a person to share with or to one counselor, but you don't need to tell everybody in your church, the ugly parts of your marriage, because when your spouse comes back, which is what you're praying for, you don't want them to come back and feel ashamed that people know what they've been doing while they've been away from home or people know the struggles that you faced. Lori, that is so true because Bob moved four times in that two and a half years. And if I reacted every time he moved, every time he was late on our child support, if I told every nitty gritty detail, the people would see the ups and downs of my life and they would be judging every other day. But they didn't know that Bob called back later and apologized for a word or hanging up on me because I did something wrong with the kids that he didn't like. The variety of drama in separation and divorce is very up and down. But you need to hold on to Jesus Christ as he is our anchor. He is the rock. He's our fortress. And if we do not react to the dysfunction of our spouse and tell all the people on the internet or at church or at work, they can see that you are radiating the Lord and the circumstances that you're going through, the Lord is going to hold your hand. He wants to say, do not be afraid. I am right here holding your hand. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I am so distressed, as Lori said. So many people say so many things on so many platforms. We do not give our husband or ourselves or our children the privacy of all that's going on inside our house. And God knew the specific needs, so it was unnecessary for you to go into details with anybody. Exactly. One thing that I started doing, and I still do it, is to pray for all the husbands and all the wives to do what the Bible says. If you have not done a Bible study or looking up all the scriptures on marriage, especially in the New Testament, but the Old Testament is excellent also. In Malachi 2, it says, verse 13, I'll start. Another thing you do, you flood the Lord's altar with tears. You weep and wail because he no longer pays attention to your offerings or accepts them with pleasure from your hands. Verse 14 says, why? 
It is because the Lord is acting as the witness between you and the wife of your youth because you've broken faith with her, though she is your partner and the wife of your marriage covenant. Has not the Lord made them one? In flesh and spirit they are his. And why one? Because he was seeking godly offspring. So guard yourself in your spirit and do not break faith with the wife of your youth. Verse 16, I hate divorce, says the Lord of God of Israel, and I hate a man covering himself with violence as well as with garments, says the Lord Almighty. So guard yourself in your spirit and do not break faith. When I was praying regarding this podcast, the Lord brought to my memory a particular story in Acts 12, and it was when King Herod, and it's Acts 12, verse 12 through 18, I'm going to paraphrase it a little bit. It talks about Peter going through trials and tribulations. King Herod had arrested some of the church intending to persecute them. And he had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. So King Herod then seized Peter. When Peter was arrested, he was put in prison, and I'm on verse 4, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover that they were in. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. Imagine your church earnestly praying for your wife, for your prodigal son or daughter. So verse 6 continues and says, the night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Your spouse right now is bound and deceived by the enemy. Suddenly, verse 7, it says, an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrist. But the angel told him what to do. Get dressed, follow me. And he took him out, leading him through the city. So when Peter got outside and where he could go to the house of Mary, the mother of John, he started knocking at the outer entrance, and a servant's name called Rhoda came to answer the door. And when she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening it and exclaimed that Peter is at the door. You're out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said, it must be his angel. But Peter kept on knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet, and he described how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. Tell James and the other brothers and sisters about this, he said, and then he left for another place. The Lord reminded me of this story so clearly when we were preparing this because there was the church, a whole bunch of people praying for Peter, and when he knocked at the door, Rhoda told them Peter was outside. They didn't believe the answer to the prayer. They were surprised and they doubted it. Acts 12 has always been special to me because it's telling us to don't doubt when we pray that you're going to receive answers. And they may be suddenly. 
in the chains of your husband or wife, whatever they're into, whatever involvement they are with someone else, can be broken at any time whenever people are praying. One example of a church that was praying earnestly for a loved one is told in Jim and Carol Cimbala's family, and they've both written about it in books, but they had a prodigal child who had hardened her heart and had walked away from her family and from God. They had opened up to just a few people in the church about the problems that they were facing as a family. And in Carol Cimbala's book, He's Been Faithful, Jim Cimbala says, an usher handed me a note during our prayer meeting. A young woman who I felt spiritually sensitive had written, Pastor Cimbala, I feel impressed that we should stop the meeting and pray for your daughter. I hesitated. Was it right to change the flow of the service and focus on my personal need? Yet something in that note seemed to ring true. In a few minutes, I picked up a microphone and told the congregation what had just happened. The truth of the matter, I said, although I haven't talked much about it, is that my daughter is very far from God these days. She thinks up is down and down is up. Dark is light and light is dark. But I know God can break through to her, and so I'm going to ask Pastor B if he'll come up and lead us in prayer for Chrissy. It was almost as if the church had experienced labor pains that night as they prayed God would bring our daughter from death to life. When Jim came home from the prayer meeting, he told me, Carol, it's over. It's over, I asked him. It's over with Chrissy. You would have had to be there in the prayer meeting tonight to understand, but I tell you, if there is a God in heaven, this whole nightmare is finally over. That evening, though we didn't know it, Chrissy was having her own nightmare. She woke up frightened by a terrible dream. In it, she could see herself heading toward a bottomless pit. She felt terrified, realizing that her sin was leading her straight to hell. But as she dreamed, she also felt God holding her back from the edge and lifting her up. In the midst of her fear, he was telling her how much he loved her. I could hardly believe it when I opened the door on Thursday morning and saw her standing there. She actually fell on her knees and began begging for our forgiveness for how she'd been living. I threw my arms around her and we both burst into tears. I had my child back at last. Our nightmare had lasted two years. They had seemed the worst years of our life, and I nearly lost the struggle because of my fear for my children. But God had not abandoned us. Instead, he had shown his faithfulness in a marvelous way, and Chrissy's life was beginning all over again. Oh, that brings back memories of Bob when he would call me up at 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning and say, this is it, I can't live like this any longer, and would even talk about suicide. You have no idea the darkness that your husband or wife or child can be in. But God is hearing your prayers. He's hearing the special people in your church or in your life group or any chosen people that they are praying and God is moving behind the scenes that we don't understand. I may spend one night every so often staying up for two or three hours in the middle of the night after Bob's phone call praying, but then I knew I had done what I was supposed to do. And the next morning, the police didn't come. And it's not nice. It's not clean. It's when we have a spouse that is in the far country, God is going to have us get up in the middle of the night or cry and go through things. But we have to understand, just like Jim and Carol Cimbala's daughter, they went through a lot of fire and tribulations. 
But God was right there with them, interceding and moving in her heart and life. So you do not know when you're going through the darkness in your home how many people in your church have been assigned by God to be praying for you and for your husband or wife. One of the reasons you may stay away from church is because you think that the church is not perfect or it's made up of hypocrites. But you need to understand that the church is made up of flawed and sinful people. We are all flawed and sinful people, and we are part of the church. And that's why we need each other, because God has redeemed us. My dad said he would never go back to the church he was from. He had no faith that he would have a reputation intact when his marriage was restored. And he had said all along the way that if I do ever come back, we would never be able to attend that church again. Tell us what happened the first Sunday after your restoration. I got up that Sunday morning and I asked Bob, could we go to church? And he goes, yes, but I don't know which one. And I said, you pick. The kids and I know we're going to go with you no matter which one you choose because this is going to be a difficult time of adjustment for you. And he very quickly said, well, I've got to think about it. So while I'm doing breakfast and getting the kids dressed, I just prayed. And God spoke to him and said, go back. For the kids' sake, go back to our home church. So all of a sudden, he came and told me, he says, you know, I don't want to mess the kids up any longer. Let's go back. So we got in the car and went closely to our home church. And when we were walking in, my heart was beating probably 180 miles an hour. I was trembling inside, thinking, how Bob was going to be received. And I was praying constantly that the Holy Spirit would just bring the right people for him to receive the Christian love that I'd been praying for and had felt so much. And when we walked in those doors, God was there, and everybody that Bob knew well saw him coming in with us and saw him and started walking to him and calling out to him, and loved upon him. And that was a celebration of the prodigal son coming home. And that's all I could think of while everybody was talking to him and congratulating him that we got remarried just two weeks before. And it was a celebration of the prodigal had come home And a couple of the widow women came up and said, your picture or your name has been on my prayer list for all this time, and I've been praying for you every day and for your family, and I am so excited to see you come back today. And they just loved on him. I cannot tell you how glorious it was. And that is what our prayer is for you that your husband or wife is going to go into a church, either the church they want to go to or whatever, but trust God to do the orchestration of them coming back and working through the process of getting back into church with their people that they've known for years. And to finish how that Sunday ended up, the pastor was up and he started preaching, and all of a sudden he says, I feel that we're to stop and we are to praise the Lord for all the different things that are happening in all of your lives. And before I finish my sermon, I would like us to have a portion of time 
sharing praise reports and our testimonies of what God is doing in our lives. And so many people stood up and started sharing praise reports and what, how God had gotten through a trial or different situations. And all of a sudden, Bob stood up and he started speaking and saying, thank you, I am, I'm returning home to the church today after we've gotten remarried two weeks ago. And he said, I want to thank you for all of you praying for me and taking care of my family. And the pastor quickly said after Bob finished his thank yous and, and telling everybody how much he missed them, pastor called him up and he said, Bob, I'd love to have you come up to the altar and let the leadership of our church lay hands and, and pray for you right now. In fact, Charlene, come up with him. And so we went up and then the wives of the leadership came over and in the middle of a sermon we now have Bob and I with the leaders of the church and the wives praying over us with his pastor and his wife and I can tell you that was the most glorious day of Bob coming home and and we knew that the Lord was just saying to Bob you have come home to your church and your children and you have been obedient and that's what we're praying for you, that you are a lighthouse at your church. And I don't know how your husband or wife is going to come home. I don't know how they're going to be received. But I know if you have your church involved in your personal life, not by spreading the garbage, not by going up and down with all the different details that we do go through, I want to tell you there is going to be a day that is a glorious day of the prodigal coming home to his heavenly father and to the church. Let me pray for you. Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you that you are the God of restoration and reconciliation. And Lord, I just ask that you would touch this dear husband or wife that is seeking your will, your way, and restoration of their marriage. May they be sure to get involved in a church, in church groups, and get on the prayer list. May you direct them to one special person that can be their prayer partner, and that they may even get two or three men or women that will be a small group that's going to stand in the gap with them. And they're not going to go into garbage details, but they're just going to see praying, and they're going to have fellowship with them. Lord, I just pray that their children will be, get involved in church, this husband and wife will get saved and we'll all be closer to you. That we'll both, husband and wife, will seek the Lord in many different ways. We thank you for the many books that are written and the many testimonies that are encouragement for us, like the symbolists. And we know there's so many more that we could tell you. But Lord, you are the God of miracles. You're the God of salvation. You are the God that touches hearts and lives. And we ask that you would go right now and touch all of these RMN family that are praying for restoration of their marriages. So many of them are in the process of coming home and saying that they know they need to come home, but they don't see the way of escape. And we pray you would show them the way of escape. Break off the chains of whatever addiction, whatever sin that our spouses are in, and may they come home suddenly, just like Chrissy did. Lord, we know you can do all things, and we just ask that you continue to give hope 
to these dear people while they're waiting and praying and standing in the gap. And we just give you all the praise and the glory for that you are going to go rescue all of the prodigals and they will have their day of prodigals coming home to their heavenly father and to their family. And we give you the praise, we give you the glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you visit our website at www.rejoiceministries.org and visit the media section, you can find a video titled A Restored Marriage. And on that video, you can watch the restored marriage ceremony of Carrie and Ryan. And during that video, you'll be touched to see Ryan speak to the, his church congregation and repent not only to his wife for what he had put her through during the time she was standing for restoration, but for what he put his church through. You can see him thanking his church for the support that they gave his wife. And I think that goes beautifully with what we've talked about. And so I encourage you to go watch that video on our website. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcast or Google Play, be sure to subscribe so that you're notified when a new episode is released. And if you enjoyed this podcast and you found it beneficial, will you submit a review so it will help our rankings and other people will be able to find it? If you want to reach out to us, you can do so from our website, again, www.rejoiceministries.org. Write us and tell us how you enjoyed this podcast. If we can help you in any way, we invite you to visit the website of Rejoice Marriage Ministries at www.rejoiceministries.org. Thanks for joining us today as we proclaim that God heals hurting marriages. Divorce strikes families around the world, often with little notice. You can help us minister to these families with your financial gift. Visit rejoiceministries.org and help us teach men and women what Jesus can do for their hurting family.